Welcome to the Film and Science, the double feature podcast. Join us as we unravel the interwoven experience of the continuous conversation of cinema. Take part in pairing movies with their cursed counterparts, movies that share DNA or even pairing vegetable duos by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level, where the $5 tier will grant the ability to request films to further the discussion. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready to join the 100-year conversation. This is the Film and Science, where movies are more than just entertainment, they're an experience. And welcome back to another episode of the Film of Steins. Thank you guys for joining us today. I am joined today by my fast and furious friend, Lucy. Hello, everyone. And remember, we post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over on patreon.com slash Some recent episodes include Earth Mama, The Iron Claw, Perfect Days, The Zone of Interest, and 2024's Mean Girls. Remember to leave nice comments, thoughts, and ideas over on our Patreon, social medias, Come request a movie. Come subscribe. We appreciate all the support. Thank you guys very much. Are you stressed and filled with anxiety like I am? Maybe in a bit of pain from that car accident you had a few years ago? Well, the sponsor of today's episode, Hempville CBD, has us covered. They have the highest quality products created by chemists and doctors. Hempville carries everything from CBD to THC dispensary grade without those despicable dispensary prices. Order your Delta 8, 9, edibles, and vapes along with the THCA flower and get free shipping when you spend $50 or more at HempvilleCBD.com. Check out the link in the description for more details. But today we are discussing Michael Mann's 2023 too fast for its britches movie ferrari our second iteration of an italian adam driver he was in house of gucci too as mr gucci of course oh of course (laughs) i'm just gonna say off the top that this movie is fine and borderline boring maybe you can help me but i missed a lot of the point of this movie i felt like this movie was on the back of its obsession with making racing look cool and it looks cool it's very stylish and fun how we move with the cars and it's beautiful it absolutely is and all the car scenes are fun and even heartfelt and disturbing in some ways right they're they're definitely the star of the show but everything in between is kind of bizarre but i will say i do like adam driver as an enzo ferrari He's, I'm sold on yeah. him. I don't know how I feel about Adam Driver for the most part, but in this movie, I'm fine with him. And some of these other actors, I'm not too sure about, <laughs> but we'll we'll get to that. How do you feel? How did you feel about Ferrari? This is our, I don't know, ninth car movie, it feels like, that we covered. <laughs> this was definitely a guilty pleasure sort of movie, for sure. You know how I feel about biopics. I love them. Even if they're on the side of dad-ish or if they're on the side of boring, I still love them. They're still good. They still speak. They they speak to me. I feel you. And what is up with that? That's such a thing. Yeah. Is it just kind of like on the verge of a documentary that it speaks to us? There's something very real about it, I guess. Yes. Yeah. That might be it. But... I'm right there with you. I had a hard time finding the story super cohesive, maybe, or 
having a hard time deciding what the movie is about. And then I came to the conclusion that this movie is maybe not about anything. It's just a very specific time and place of Enzo Ferrari's life that we decided to make a biopic about it. I don't know if Enzo especially or the Ferraris have had a lot of documentaries or anything made about them that it made sense to just pull from a very specific period, maybe right before shit is about to happen or deals are about to happen or his life is about to turn around. But definitely after he lost his son and he's going through this trauma with his wife and establishing a not only a relationship with his, you know, bastard son, but giving him the the name, the Ferrari name. The legacy. The legacy. Yeah, because he would he would go on to be one of the operators of Ferrari. R- yeah. To this day, he owns about ten percent of the company, which is something that I wanted to mention because I like what you say there because it is kind of this maybe calm before the storm of how post-capitalism and hyper-capitalism steps in and starts to, you know, take ownership of your business because this is, or so it sounds at least in the movie, is a family-owned business. And so, and I would imagine that would start to change over the next 20 years with Ferrari and then even Ford and everyone else, like where you just start to lose get chipped away at with your ownership of the business it starts to become the board right right so there's something kind of human about that where we have this company on the precipice of entering the world stage of commerce because you know he's got to make 500 vehicles this year or whatever if he wants to stay afloat to support his racing division and so there's like some kind of fun commercial drama behind the scenes that i wish we got a little bit more of and i wish we saw the headache a little bit more of i'm not sure why we sacrificed that for something that also was a half measure and that was his relationship with his dead son and and his young son piero and so it does make me a little confused on like what the fucking point is and does there need to be a point of course not but I think normally there is somewhat of a point to creating something, right? Especially something that's sort of revered like this film was. It seemed to be one of the forgotten Oscar-ish movies. It seems like a lot of people think that this one got snubbed. And I don't think... I don't agree with that. I think this movie is pretty half-baked. Sort of like the Iron Claw. And maybe even a couple others that did get nominations like... um. Anatomy of a Fall, I think, is probably a good example of that. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of frustrating to get behind Enzo as a character because I just didn't get a sense of what he wanted, I guess. And I didn't really get Lara. Was that her name? Lara Ferrari? Yeah. I didn't really get her motive either. I almost would have liked a total singular perspective of Lara. I think that would have been kind of neat. And the drama of like her discovering that he has this thing that's mo- way more than a mistress. And like that would have been kind of fun. No, I definitely agree with you. They were some very critical moments of life here that we just didn't get enough of. Almost like they were half measured with his affair, with his son, with his wife, with the deals in the background. And I, I just wasn't sure how to take it besides 
It's just a snippet of his life. Because my main takeaway from this movie was from a line he said, and he was at the table explaining to his drivers that that two objects cannot occupy the same space at once. So I kind of want to tie that in with all these other things in his life going on, can't take, you know, but that that's just me being maybe a little too critical here and trying to analyze it that way. No, I think that's central to the problem. I think that's central to the movie itself and central to the problem this movie is facing with itself in that it gets pulled into too many directions and starts to lose sight of a central reason why the movie needs to be. We all saw what happened when there were two objects taking the same amount of space there for a brief moment. People died. People got decapitated. People lost many limbs and lives, which was probably one of the best parts of the movie. Not going to lie, that was awesome to watch on the screen. I think my mouth was open for the whole entire sequence. That was one of the coolest like violent sequences of 2023. Yes, yes, for sure. So that's what happens when two important things take place at once. Chaos. I don't want to act like I have a major issue with it needing to have that central through line of of the reason why it exists. I don't need that justification. My only issue with it is in the beginning, we set Enzo up as this Jesus Christ godlike figure with him in the church and then like the stopwatches and then the actual <laughs> pastor. It's it's awesome. That was cool. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. That whole maybe first 25 minutes is really good. Or at least parts of it, I should say, because him walking around, the paparazzi or whoever, whatever's going on, it's just... <sighs> Him going from his car to like the office was a bizarre sequence. I, I don't know. I guess it was just just for him to meet Portago, which is another whole weird arc in itself. The Portago arc. So I just wanted a little bit more out of him. You know, that's. I felt like I was given a really good appetizer, and now I'm getting some basic ass cheeseburger. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> Yeah, you wanted the maestro treatment. You know, he's this big deal. He's this big composer. But at home, behind closed doors. Yeah, that's actually a really good fucking point. I like that, that you bring that up. It's a real kind of switch and bait situation. And I don't know if they could have done that here. I don't know if Lara had that much of a influence over him. Obviously not. <laughs> but there could have been something along that where we kind of thought we were in for you know, the engineer Enzo and we actually got the stay the the dad Enzo. Mm -hmm. But we didn't. That would have been kind of a cool switch and bait, but and I and that's what I wanted, so it's kinda of hard to be too hard on it, but I feel like it does set itself up in a funny way and kinda of teases me in the worst way. Cause it's kinda of lame because his his genius, his, you know, engineering nature kind of amalgamates into this moment he has with young Piero and them talking about the engine and how to make things go faster and stuff. Yeah. And like, it's fun as a father son thing, but it feels like we set up the genius Enzo to share that with his legacy. 
you know, to, to pass that legacy. I was just like, ah, that, I mean, that's cool, but I feel like we're missing everything in between. And I almost feel like, I don't know. I, we said this about the iron claw too. I feel like maybe there was a show here that should have happened a four part hour and a half each hour kind of show. Cause I feel like Michael Mann may have been a little too obsessed with capturing the cars at the end of the day. Which not gonna lie, that's fine with me. I don't know a lot about cars, but I like cars a lot. You like seeing them go I fast. I like seeing them go fast. <laughs> I like seeing them blow up. I like seeing them fucking go like they're they all of a sudden got up on two legs and now they're scooting across <laughs> in air and people flinging out like dummies. I love it. I just for that, this movie is already a win in my book, which is easy. It's easy. Maybe I am a dad. But just because we didn't get that, it it's so it's such a weird specific point in his life because it's almost like we're already supposed to know this about Enzo. We're already supposed to know he's a Ferrari and he has a legacy and he's a genius. And apparently he raced too. We're already supposed to know these details. Now we're just seeing, and you said it very well, the calm before the storm. So I don't know if I exactly need a show for that. I don't think we can get a show out of this. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Unless I'd spend like half the time watching cool cars go fast and crash and stuff. Then okay, then then now I agree for a show. But it still had enough drama and melodrama that I was fine with it. It was still spicy enough for me that I was fine with it. Yeah, I guess we can thank Lara Ferrari for that. Yes. Her hunting down Lena was low-key anxiety-inducing when I they're know, driving around. I'm like, oh, my God. And she told the driver, like, turn right here. I'm like, I don't even care about Lena. <laughs> I hope she fucking kills that bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, and good. then when she's trying to get him to sign over the attorney papers, and then she has that line that says, I want my gun back. And then we see what happens next. You know, they get it on on the table. You know, there's still enough spicy juices there that I love. So I'm, I, I don't know. I, I think I liked it more than I'm willing to let on. I mean, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. No shame, okay? <laughs> You're not alone, in fact. This is actually a pretty favorite film. I think I'm a little bit lower on it than most, especially you. Especially some of the guys I've seen who typically don't like movies. Like Richard Brody at New Yorker. He doesn't like anything. <laughs> but he likes this movie. I'm like, that's kind of funny. He must be a dad. Nothing wrong with that. So it's just, I don't know, it's kind of, it makes me laugh. Because it's also kind of funny where in biopic movies, you get that like hyper, you know, dramatization of a character. And it's, you know, blown, it's sensationalized more or less. And, you know, people love it. Moms and dads all across the world love to eat that shit up on yep. the weekend, man. And sometimes you get little snapshots of the person or industry like this. Or even like Tetris. I feel like Tetris is a good example of this kind of thing. Yeah, I like Tetris. Where we don't really see the conception of it or anything, but we see this moment in time where it's very catastrophic for that particular thing, mm -hmm. character or IP. 
Yeah, I know you like Tetris. <laughs> the game and the movie. So and it's kind of a funny thing. I'm, I mean, I think in general, I am not a big fan of biopic movies. It's a guilty pleasure, like you said. I do. I am. a. It's a guilty pleasure for me. It's junk food, really. It's good, trashy junk food. And is this movie more than that? Some people will lead you to believe it is. And that's that's fine. No shame. I'm not saying anything about that. But I did want to say, I'm not sure what Shane Lee Woodley was doing in this movie. <laughs> I saw her standing together with, you know, Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz and Michael Mann and stuff at like some expo and stuff. I was just like, why the fuck is she up there? She's embarrassing in this movie. I cannot believe they casted her in this movie. And I can't believe Michael Mann was okay with this performance. Look, I have nothing against Shailene Woodley. You know, she's not the best in the Divergent series, but she's okay. She's not the best in The Fault in Our Stars. Actually, I like her in The Fault in Our Stars. And then she's in one of my favorite shows from when I was, you know, a youngin, The Secret Life of the American Teenager. And I liked her in there. I liked her a lot there. So I'm okay with her. And... Watching this movie, I had this idea that she wasn't Italian. She was, you know, maybe from England or possibly even French. I don't know. I detected a slight accent there. So I was fabricating this story in my head that he met her somewhere else. She said the word French at one point. Okay. I know that. So... It wasn't until you told me that she's supposed to be Italian and it, it completely shattered everything I had fabricated in my head. But she wasn't the absolute worst. Could she have been casted better? Yes, for sure. That's for sure. There was a scene there where she completely loses the accent. She's speaking like American English. She didn't even try. <laughs> like, And I was like, okay, um, I, I'll, I'll overlook it. Especially because you shit talk her so much that... She's terrible. She's like a discount <laughs> Brie Larson. Oh, my God. And Brie Larson's questionable to begin with. What about the other performances? How did you feel about Penelope Cruz? I like Penelope Cruz generally. I think she, I don't really know of her work very much, but she's fine. She was good in this. She looked a little weird. Her wig, I don't know, her makeup was strange. Yeah, that wig was rough. But her energy, you know, she was kind of the heart and soul of the film, no doubt. I feel like we could have taken her maybe a little even further, considering she shot at Fer Mr. Ferrari in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, she's going to be a cool character. And she was fine. She was definitely my favorite. But, eh. What more did you want from her? I wanted more of a dynamic between the two. They're just kind of at each other's throats. There was, and they, then they had angry sex, and then she hunted down his mistress slash love interest. Uh, so it's, I don't know. It just was too. And then she saved his ass. And then she saved his ass. I like that. I like that turn of events. That oh, she does love him. She loves her husband. Which begs that more thing out of them. Yes. I wanted something out of them. Yes. And maybe Enzo's not in the position to make that happen, but you need to make it happen on screen somehow. Right. You know, another problem that we faced with Iron Claw 
whether you put in this factual information or you make a creative choice as a director for the audience to have a better cinematic experience. Yeah, and then when they were at the like opera thing play, both lovers were having these memories of when they were, you know, madly in love with Enzo. It's just like gag me. <laughs> you know, it's like you're having this at the same time. It's just so lame. That's funny. That's funny. And here I was, just my eyes glued to the screen because here she is with her fond memories of Enzo and here's the other girl telling him they're pregnant and they both love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) And you're next to me gagging. (laughs) There's just no like natural storytelling in it, I guess. It just feels, I don't, I don't, I want to, I don't want to say forced, but maybe that's kind of what i'm feeling that it was a feel i felt a little forced in that yeah i I definitely agree there's some cohesiveness issues at least between at least the triangle that maybe should have flowed better in some way or another not sure how to be honest i mean we'd probably have to sacrifice a lot of the car stuff no so it's it's a funny thing it was weird for me to see patrick dempsey in this type of role you know i'm i'm just so used to him being mcdreamy in Grey's anatomy and then the only other role i know him in is that valentine's day movie oh that's funny where he's cheating on his wife i didn't know he was in that yeah and that's it that's all i know him from i don't know any of his earlier things yeah i don't really know of him in anything other than Grey's anatomy but i can tell you probably how he got this role He's been racing cars for more than 10 years. Oh. He's a sports car driver. He's driven probably 150 races in the last 12 years. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now he's in this movie. He probably loved that, actually. Yeah. Well, it, I was going to say he was really great here. I thought he was. he did a phenomenal job being this type of character. So he was probably just so excited to be filming and driving cars. I don't know. Yeah, driving old Ferraris and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he loved it. And as far as Adam Driver being Enzo Ferrari, I wasn't too mad at it. It was okay. I was just a little surprised that we're already making Adam Driver play an older character like this. Well, apparently Adam Driver's 40 years old. Didn't know that. But still, that's not that old. That's not that old to be playing. Actually, I don't know. Maybe he was in his 40s. (laughs) You know what? I don't know anymore. I was just surprised to see him in the white hair. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, you never know with guys and their graying hair. That's true. That's true. Especially big businessmen, they age really fast. (laughs) So, I don't know. What do you think about the editing? That was the best editing I've ever seen in my life. Lies. (laughs) No, editing was okay. It wasn't great. Especially... That one really noticeable one. I'm not sure when it happened. Yeah, there's a cut at 49 minutes and 20 seconds where Patrick Dempsey's character drives off and Adam Driver or Enzo is talking to the guy behind him. There's a cut there that's just nuts. It looks like the time had changed by like eight hours or something. (laughs) It's crazy how they allowed that to slip by. Obviously, they didn't have the footage to make it work. Otherwise, they would have made it work. But it's so noticeable that I'm 
I can't believe they didn't try to blow it out in some way with lighting and everything. And it's funny you say that because I noticed something happened, but I couldn't tell you what. I was like, what? Did he drive away so fast that yeah. it blurred with me? Like, I was I was a bit confused until you, you rewind it. Well, I could tell you, but the shadow, the time difference aside, the cut happened and you didn't move. That's a massive problem. If you're cutting, you need to move the camera. You know, you don't need to cut and then move, be in the same fucking spot. That's madness. And obviously something catastrophic happened in that, you know, the footage they wanted to use and they just couldn't use it. Something catastrophic happened to allow them to think that they could do that and it'd be okay. I hope at least. No, um, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt in my mind All something right. catastrophic happened. And, you know, they're hoping to God no one notices it, but... It's pretty glaring. Yeah, it was pretty glaring. I at least noticed something was off and I don't I don't really pay attention to the editing. Well, good editing should kind of go unnoticed. Yeah, as you know, the only time I really pay attention is when there's crazy transitions yeah. and that's about it. But yeah, I I noticed that and I I was I was mesmerized by the car at least. So, there's that. If you don't know what you have, put a beautiful car in it. A beautiful, fast car in it. That'll fix it. That'll fix it. <laughs> Your girl's mad at you? Give her a beautiful, fast car. Boom. That'll fix it. That'll fix it. It fixes everything. Genius. What do you think about bringing Portago in here just to kill him? That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved it. That was insane. That's such a crazy setup. Yes, and especially in the beginning where we see another driver die while he's there trying to get a job. Like that was that was that was good. I don't even know how other way to describe it. Which that was an insane crash. There's a dummy flying, and he's basically like, "Okay, come back on Monday. I might actually have an opening for you." As this guy's wife is, you know, about to burst into tears it shows like the grittiness of race car drivers it reminded me it made me think of something like you know these guys are trying to get this dangerous ass job working on an oil rig or something i don't know some dangerous ass job and you know like they're like no we're stabbed but you know we have a really fast turnover rate because people die Mm -hmm. and so you know there's just this i'm just imagining like this political cartoon style illustration of guys standing in line waiting their turn (laughs) to you know take part in this dangerous job because other guys they die so quickly it's just how did that not turn him off immediately i would have just started backing away like oh never mind that was that was good i love both crashes man they were insane is this movie better than ford versus ferrari no okay no it's not (laughs) i'm sorry but it's not is this movie a prequel to Ford versus Ferrari? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ford versus Ferrari made me cry. It did. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Ford versus Ferrari is a phenomenal movie. This did not make me cry. We didn't get enough of that relationship with at least the driver who was going to die, which I thought we were. I thought we were going to get an emotional connection to Deportago at least. Yeah. They set him up as kind of the side hero. Mm-hmm. You know? He's the son that Enzo 
lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sure lost him. Everyone lost him. Pieces of him were there. Pieces of him were here. One last thing I want to mention was this very like sweet moment that happened here with these race car drivers that we didn't pay enough attention to. You know, they they weren't focused on like we were with Enzo and his girls. But there was this very sweet moment when one of the Ferrari drivers gives a ride to one of the Maserati guys. That was awesome. And it was so sweet. That was such a great moment. And I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that sportsmanship in a sports movie. Not like I've seen many great sports movies, but I've seen quite a few. And that that was a very nice, heartwarming, sweet scene that I really like. That it wasn't all just for the competition as Enzo made it seem. You know, we kind of villainize him in that way. Yeah. That it's either you or him. Let it for sure be you if you're driving for me. But here he is slowing down to pick him up. And even... The Maserati guy, I don't know his name. Um, maybe that is his name. Mr. Maserati. Sure. Even he was like, why the fuck didn't you walk? And there's some savagery there that I love because these dudes are out here racing for their lives, basically. And you two motherfuckers don't have the audacity to just shut the fuck up. And let him give him a ride. You know, he's in last place anyway. Or first place. I don't know what place he was in. But I like that. I like that nice little touch there. Maybe my second favorite scene besides the crash. No, yeah, that was a great section. And it shows this, like you said, the sportsmanship in class to the athletes, right? Yeah. Because each and every one of them know how dangerous the sport is, right? They don't drive to live. They live to drive. Right, they're all leaving pre-written letters to their significant others. Exactly, which is awesome. I just I wish we could have got more of that, you know. And I get it's Enzo's story too. At the end of the day, and he's not the driver. Mm-hmm. It, he's the Adam driver. <laughs> <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> And it's even funny to kind of say that, you know, Enzo's a little bit of the the villain here because he is. He's pushing his family apart. He's risking the Ferrari brand. But even he's not all that unsettled by, you know, giving one of the Maserati guys a lift. Mm-hmm. Right? The Mr. Maserati's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's true. Because he's, he's more of your hater he's more of the rival right enzo's just trying to drive and he wants to create the best vehicles to make that happen you know mr maserati i'm sure others are trying to play catch up and they believe they probably can because they have the theoretical kind of calculations to make it happen but they don't have the class Mm. i mean with that said all of the driving sections especially the last race are awesome yeah all these over headshots of showing what's to come on the track, these like parallel shots to them driving, us being on the hood, seeing the road and seeing through the windshield. 
it's definitely the star, the ultimate star of the show. And it was obviously the the baby for Michael Mann. Like he wanted, this was obviously the most important thing to him. I think Michael Mann actually has a little bit of a history of amateur racing. So oh, there cool. you go. All right, man. Well, thank you for watching this movie and talking about it here with me today. That was a good talk. You're welcome. Do you have a budget guess for me? My budget guess is $60 million. It's an expensive movie, obviously, right? Yes. Cars implies expensive. Yes. What's much more expensive than $60 million? It's $95 million. Holy crap. That's an expensive movie. Yeah. For and sure. <laughs> you're going to laugh at the box office. It might still be at theaters here and there. I'm not too sure. I think I know it was a December release and there's some stragglers from that time, but it made $40.2 million. <gasps> so it's. No. Pretty no. big bust. That's so sad. <laughs> And apparently over on Letterboxd with 140,000 people. Nice chunk of folks. Okay, then why isn't it reflected in the box office? Uh-huh. That's pretty reflective. Oh, 40 million, 150,000 people. Yeah, we needed to, you know, kind of quadruple that. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll take it back. They came in with a consensus of 3.3. Not bad. Not bad. It feels right especially when you watch the trailer you're like yeah it's a 3.3 movie <laughs> and then when i watch it i'm like well this is kind of boring <laughs> i didn't find it boring just in hey that's fine no shame you can like terrible movies i'd probably give it around that area okay three-ish yeah i'm leaning yeah. towards like a two <laughs> yeah 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 it's not bad let me give it a zero. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Film of Steins. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Remember, we post every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday over on Patreon.com slash Film Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, all the goods. Thank you guys for all your support. Remember to leave nice comments, thoughts, and ideas over on our Patreon. Come request a movie. Come subscribe for a dollar. We appreciate all the support. But until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Filmesteins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives in the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash and follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is The Filmesteins, signing off.